welcome to This Girl Cam, where we speak to wonderful women doing fabulous things in pharma. I'm Liv Nixon, and in addition to my role as a podcast host and a mother of four, I'm a certified Salesforce admin. I'm passionate about optimising and simplifying CRM systems, allowing teams to treat them as a friend and not a foe. Today, I'm talking to Diana Lagalante. Diana is currently serving as Change and Communications Senior Manager at Roche Services and Solutions, Switzerland. With over 20 years of experience in the pharma industry, it goes without saying that the Healthcare Businesswoman Association, where she's been volunteering for the past 10 years, helped Diana establish herself in the field. Diana's extensive track record of business experience within the pharma industry has seen her work for a range of different companies, including Ciber Speciality Chemicals, Novartis, Syngenta and Roche. Loads to dig into here. So let's get going. Hello there, Diana. Thank you for coming on the show. Hi, Liv. Yes, thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited to be part of your podcast. I'm excited to have you. It's fabulous. So to get us going, Diana, would you uh, give us a little introduction? Tell us about yourself first. Absolutely. Pleased to do so. So, yes, my name is Diana. I am Swiss and Italian. So I have to be careful not to say Swiss Italian because some people might misunderstand that, that we, I am from the Italian part of Switzerland. But no, I was born in Basel, Switzerland. I was raised in Italy, in the south of Italy. And I came back to Switzerland as a teenager around the age of 14. So I have two nationalities and two passports. And yes, I've been working in the healthcare industry for more than 20 years in different uh, pharmaceutical companies. I started more than 20 years ago at Ciba Specialty Chemicals. That is not known nowadays uh, being BSF, a German company. I moved then to Novartis for a short time. And then after Novartis, I went to Syngenta. And now currently I am at Roche since over seven years. Yes. So as I mentioned before, I was born in Switzerland, but I grew up in Italy. So I did all my schools in Italy until the age of 14. Then I came back to Switzerland and I continued with my business school. I learned German. There was some difficult time about, it took me about one year to learn the language uh, with some extra support and help after school. It was a little bit of a culture shock at that time, but even so that motivated me to be the communicator that I am today, because having language barriers, barriers when you're a teenager, it, uh, it sticks with you, right? So you really want to make all the effort to make yourself explainable to everyone and you want to be included also in the society. So this was always my aspiration and my motivation to be a, an engagement communicator or a change manager, which, which I am today. Tell me more about your personal life. You're married, aren't you? Yes, I'm married. I'm happily married since 13 years. And uh, with my husband, Pedro, Pedro is from Lisbon, Portugal, originally. Um, he is actually half Black American and half European. So <laughs> it's a very interesting mixture. And I met him 13 years ago in Zurich at the birthday party with uh, my cousin's birthday party. And he had the opportunity to meet all my friends and family at the same time. So it was already a down deal from the first moment. <laughs> Get it all out the way and let's go. 
Exactly. And so, yeah, we moved pretty quickly with our relationship. In a few weeks' time, my husband moved into my apartment and we decided to open a company. At that time, he was an IT consultant. And we said, I always had a dream to be also uh, financially independent and have my own uh, company. But uh, we had to make a decision. One of us has to have a fixed income and the other one has to have the company. So we decided for him to open up uh, his company and the company still exists after 13 years. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm very proud of that move because it takes courage. It's not easy to be self-employed and you always have to work to create your own customer base and, you know, get, get also the incoming project. So um, at the beginning, I helped a lot with the company, but of course now he's managing everything himself. And at some point he had also employees. Uh, yeah. And so we, we are happily married. And since a few years, we have a dog. His name is Mafi. He's a French bulldog. Um, yeah, he's quite a character, I must say. He's very energetic and we are very happy with him. So we always go, we take turns uh, in the morning and in the evening, and we always go at least for one hour walk with our dog. And that helps me so much to just break in between meetings, to go to the fresh air and come back with new ideas. Uh, I must say it's a great addition to our family. I would have never imagined it might, it's my first dog and it's just, it's just great. Yeah. So we love him very much. Yeah. I completely agree with you with that need to get out and about my, my dog died a couple of years ago now, not because I've got so many children, we're not getting another one just yet until my children are a bit older, but. But that's the one thing I really miss is that ability just to, it's, it's all, there's always that reason to be out walking, which is, it is fabulous. It's very good for you, isn't it? Mental health and otherwise. <laughs> exactly. So go back a little further for me, if you would, please, Diana, talk to me about your education and any specific training education that you found helped you in your career. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, uh. Uh, I was, uh, by the age of 17, just after business school, this is what we call business school here in Switzerland, I had the opportunity to go to Australia and because I have my relatives and family in Perth, West Australia. So I decided to go there for a language study for about one year and it was a great experience. I really wish that every young person can just go outside of their normal environment and experience something new to come back with such a great uh, richness of knowledge besides knowing English, of course, which was the main, uh, the main task. Um, yeah. Um, that helped me so much. And the reason why I'm saying that is because with that knowledge that accelerated also my continuation of my educational studies. So I am an economist by education with a profound interest in change transformations and coaching and project management. And that helped me a lot in gaining the 360 degree of understanding of all the different stakeholders I've been working with for the past 20 years in the pharma industry. 
So when currently I work at Roche and at Roche, it's a very diverse community of different stakeholders. So we have scientists, we have general managers in the affiliates. We have, I work a lot in the finance space with IT and procurement and being a continuous learner, I like to challenge myself with new educational programs. And I must say, I'm also a person that gets bored very easily. So when we had COVID a few years ago, I decided to go on and, and register myself for a master's, a master's degree in corporate communications. So I was lucky that my employer gave me also the time to do that. And yeah, I had completed it successfully one year ago and I got also promotion out of that. So yeah, very happy oh, about it. Congratulations. That's, that's, that's no easy task, especially at that time as well. Exactly. So go back to the beginning of your career in the early days. What are the things that you know now that you wish you'd known then? Yeah, maybe patience would, would for sure be what attribute to, to put there. Yeah, I'm a very enthusiastic person and I like to tackle on challenges. Uh, you know, put myself in, in everything in the spot. And, you know, I like, I'm a people person. So I like to move on with projects in a very enthusiastic way. But for certain, one thing I would give my advice to my younger person is to first analyze, first do an assessment of what are the gaps, what are the needs before you run off with a project. So this is for sure something that I learned with experience with educational programs and have applying more a strategic view, a strategic process to everything rather than just run off. So that's something I would certainly stand myself as a younger person. Also, the other, the other thing that is super important is the power of network. I encountered a great organization. It's a women's organization, the HBA, Healthcare Business Women Association about 10 years ago and it was it was great because I was invited to an event that they organized at Novartis in Basel more than 10 years ago and it was a women in science after work event and I was so thrilled by all this female talents around the table talking about you know all all the problems that they were facing the challenges what and and talking about how you can develop yourself with additional skills, with personal brand and how to, uh, you know, negotiate conflict that of course your employer or your company would give you this as you would be interested in some of these topics if you would go to the HR. But I'm talking about 10, 15 years ago, there were not so many women organizations and this was the first one that I encountered. And I felt in, in a very safe space and I'm still in the safe space after, then te after 10 years. And I would encourage everyone, not only women, but also males to be part of such, such an organization where you can also test your ideas and bring them back in your day-to-day -day job. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's one of the things I can say, having met you know, some women who are part of HBA is that career growth is, is really incredible, actually, speaking to people about that. Absolutely. 
So what about the opportunities for women in pharma? When you reflect on that, what sort of changes have you seen over time? Yeah. Yeah, as I said, there were not so many women organizations up to, because I'm working since more than 20 years. So when I reflect back 20 years ago, or maybe I was just younger and I was not so, you know, interested in the other women organization. But I think that the world has changed since many years. And compared to the past, I see more women present in VP roles than before. So I personally think that the presence of women should always be linked also to the will and skills of a specific woman to engage in a specific role and not to a specific quota or number or percentage that the company wants to achieve at any cost. So this, this is also something why I am really so passionate about the Healthcare Business Women Association. It's, you know, we changed the story that the storyline, it's not about gender parity, which implies also uh, the, the costs associated with that, but it's more about gender equity rather than gender parity. So, and I see many opportunities for women in the pharma industries and Specifically now in my role being a volunteer as engagement board director of this HB EMEA that we have just transformed a few months ago, is to achieve systemic progress towards an equitable work environment by providing exciting leadership programs. And in fact, at Roche, we are going to launch an ambassador program just in a few weeks from now. Uh, and this will inspire uh, the next generation of women leaders to diversify also our member base and also activate men as admins to create a supporting environment. So I'm so excited about that because we also have, you know, the, the fortune to have our pharma CEO, Teresa Graham, who is supporting the HBA and is also standing behind the Apostle program. So with that, this is really a unique opportunity for our next GMs uh, in, in, in our company to advance in, in their career. Fabulous. What a fabulous thing to do. So that's kicking off soon, is it, did you say? It is kicking off in a few weeks' time. And today we just end out the second nomination email communication to already identify leaders, but also we want to expand to other leaders throughout the organization. So it's a pilot that we are running for the first time in Roche Pharma. Uh, and if it's going to be successful, we're going to repeat it again next year and to a wider, a wider selection of, of people. Awesome. Kids programs like that, they're going to really help those, those opportunities for women. Well, I think the more we can do like that, the better. Yeah, also because what is the opportunity there is that you get two external coaches that come into your organization and you basically co-work together on specific topics that you would bring back to the pharma leadership. So it's about also coming with a specific conclusion and, and, and suggestions that you want to shape the strategy of the company. So. It is, it is really a, a very targeted mission. And, and that's why I love to be part of this organization team, uh, helping, helping these potential female leaders. Yeah. Just before I move on, just tell me a little bit about how you first came across HBA, if you would, Diana. Just 
but for my understanding and just yeah. not yeah. Yeah, so that was, I said, I think about more than 10 years ago, it was an after-work event called Women in Science. And we were a group of, a, a very small group of women, around 10, 20 women from all different pharma industries. So we would have Rush, Novartis, J&J, Takeda, and we would meet always in different locations in Switzerland. So not only Basel, but also Zurich, Zug, even in the French part of Switzerland. Um, and then, you know, this, this was my, my first encounter was with the events program because uh, next to my day job and next to my volunteering role, I also like to have, I'm a host of events. So I love to organize events and host events also in my personal private life. I, uh, I like to invite people and guests over at my house for dinners. So <laughs> it is something, it is something in me that I have. And this is what I was really inspired when I saw, okay, I could be part of this event organization team and, and moderate also or co-moderate some of the sessions. And that was my uh, inspiration. And, and this is what triggered, you know, my motivation to be, to be a volunteer of the HBA. So basically I started as a chapter in a chapter, it was a Basel chapter, right? to move on into a more regional role and to move to a global role where I am right now. So it would, it, you know, you can say I, I, I actually did a great career at the HBA from a volunteering perspective, because that's, you, you get see all different layers of the HBA organization. And, and currently we are even expanding to other, to other locations with this new operating model that we just went live a few months ago. So we're looking into expanding and we have the Northern Europe, we have Southern Europe, we have Western Europe. Now we are looking into expanding into Middle East and Africa for it. So that's already the next level of HBA, reaching out to places like Dubai and, and Morocco and so on. And that's it's actually really, really great. Lots of fun. Yeah. Truly global. Yeah, exactly. Fabulous. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about, Diana, was, and again, it, it may well be incorporated with your role within HBA, but more about any experience you've had with workplace bias um, and your thoughts around that in general and, and where we are as an industry. Absolutely. Yeah, so there are different forms of workplace biases, right? We can say that, you know, a workplace biases can be an age biases, religion, gender, attribution biases. I mean, there are so many levels of bias. And one example that comes to my mind, there is one, an example of the status quo in a company is, is also to continuing in hiring team members from the same demographic groups, right? So if you say, you know, we, we, we are, I don't know, I'm just making up something. We are a marketing team uh, in Switzerland and we want to keep, you know, recruiting people in Switzerland because we know Swiss people have a super quality of educational level and, and that's basically your bias already, right? Because that's, that's the way you think. So you basically don't make any effort to move towards any diversity rule in, in, the, in a company. 
And by repeating always the same hiring practices, you might miss great candidates with fresh ideas from and perspectives that could bring you more quality to your work. So this is something I must say in my particular organization where I work, we are very diverse. We have 70 nationalities, 70 nationalities with a high representation of underrepresented nationalities. So I'm very proud of that because that's a unique position and we, we get to work with people uh, and colleagues in Costa Rica, in Budapest and Kuala Lumpur. And I love this dynamic because you can exchange so much about the cultural differences and learn from each other. So this is one aspect about workplace biases. The other thing is, you know, that lots of HR organizations, uh, in order to check the DNI guidelines, they provide the unconscious biases test to leaders and to employees. So I agree it is important to have that level of awareness. I agree that you have to go through these programs and, and, and mark your score of 80% at least. <laughs> but nevertheless, I don't think this is enough uh, because with that, we are just scratching the surface and we don't really understand what is beyond, behind that. Because my, lots of people might be confused also uh, about, you know, what, what is now unconscious bias. And if I am a white male, how does that, um, because at the moment we are always talking about minorities, we're always talking about gender inequalities. Where does it live with the average white male, right? So we also need to make sure we include the average white male and we don't exclude it, right? So it is, it is really a very complex narrative here. And that's why I think it's important to have a really deeper understanding of what that means, not just the awareness, not just completing your test score of 80%, but go beyond that and make an effort in understanding what it means. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk to you about mentoring. Yeah. We can touch on that, please. More specifically, what role it's played in your career? Absolutely, yes. And again, this comes together with the HBA. HBA has given me also the pleasure to have experienced being a mentor, being a mentor and, and, and mentor someone. So just recently, with the new mentoring program that the HBA is offering that kicks off every year for a duration of one year, I had the, I had the opportunity to mentor someone outside of my organization and I can see the progress and the achievements and the goals that this person is achieving step by step. And um, I feel this is such a personal space that I have the, the honor to, to help the person to move into, to the desired outcomes and desired goals that she has set herself to. It's a, it's a great experience for myself. So uh, this is, you know, my experience in mentoring someone, but of course I have been mentored 
And I have, I mentioned already before, I had the opportunity to work closely with our newly appointed pharma CEO, Teresa Graham. I'm working continuously together with Rebecca Vermeulen. She is the vice president in Schutz for Roche. And Kristen Presner, who you might know because she was one of the first ones six years ago that gave a TED talk show about flick to test it, also about this workplace biases. So I think these are my three great mentors that I had the pleasure to work with in the past six, seven years. And they've all brought something different, I suppose. Absolutely. Absolutely. They have all the different characteristics and it's great to get the taste and the flavor from each one of them and, you know, take something from each one of the, of the three and, and use them in your, in your day-to-day job. So I, I feel very fortunate to, to have had that, that experience. And as far as with yourself being a mentor, I know you said you had the opportunity to mentor someone. Is that something you're doing on an ongoing basis now or looking to do more of? I I must say this is something new. I started to do it three, four months ago only, and we meet on a monthly basis, more or less. I would like to do it more with other mentees and and also get some feedback on how happy they are with my mentoring skill. I think it's important, not only mentor, but also the reversed mentorship. So sometimes it's also important to hear from the mentee what I can learn from the mentee. So it's, yeah, I I wish I will find some time at some point to even get more mentees and, and yeah, develop myself in, in that, in that aspect. Yeah. It's, it, it works all the way around, doesn't it? You know, as a mentee and as a mentor, either way you're developing, it's, it's so valuable. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, I think when you, if you can make room for yourself, you know, after work for one hour, two hours, I know it's difficult because yeah, of course there is a dog that wants to go and walk. <laughs> there is your husband, you know, and there are lots of other private stuff around, but you know, it's important to make room for this type of things because this is your own your own development journey, right? And 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 you can also be back to lots of people. So it's it's a continuous learning. And, yeah. Yeah. And as a mentor, what would be the one piece of advice that you would give to women in the pharmaceutical industry now? Yeah, I would. My first advice is not to shy away from any challenges, even though if they might sound like enormous and you think, oh my God, I, will, I can never do that because this is a too high leadership role. I'm going to report directly to the vice president of so and so. And I would say, don't shy away, go for it, do it. Actually, this is exactly what men are doing all the time. Why are we not doing it? You know, it's why are we always conflicting ourselves and saying, no, this is too big of a role or, you know, I can, I cannot do it. Just, it's just like playing a game, playing poker, you know, go for it and find out what are your possibilities. Also not being afraid to speak up, share your opinion in a transparent way. 
the more natural you are, the more transparent it comes across and the more authentic it comes across. And, and also what I mentioned before a little bit, we are living in a very complex world where, you know, with social media, everything gets magnified three, four, five times more and everything is black and white. And, you know, I would say there are lots of different gray shades in between. So use your creative mind and your system thinking not to fall into the trap of the black and white, but always use that to analyze how, you know, how many shades of gray are in between there. And yeah, and that is my advice to, to all the women in the pharmaceutical industry. And of course, to join the HB. <laughs> Quick plug. So Diana, you may know that in season one, every guest that came onto this show, I asked them about their sliding doors moment, I talked about the sliding doors movie and their own individual sliding doors moment. Now, last week, Charlotte Moraine did quite rightly point out that it's perhaps a little dated. She reminded me it's from the 90s and not everybody's going to get that cultural reference for much longer. So, so I'm looking for a new movie. But in the meantime, as I'm yet to find my new movie that I'm going to ask people to reflect on their own moment, one thing I do want to know is what has your favourite movie been of all time? If you can give me one and tell me a little bit about why it was so important to you. Yeah. Okay, so Liv, there are so many favorite movies I have, but I can tell you something. I yeah. have a Netflix, so I'm, I'm watching Netflix, and there is a series, and this series is called The Morning Show. I don't know if oh. you've heard about it. Yeah. Yeah, so what, yeah. So I think they're already in season three now. Yeah. So I already watched season one and season two. So I started to watch that a few years ago. And so, you know, the plot to the sexual harassment about a news anchor that has been sent off the program from this news agency. And then we have Annex. Annex is the protagonist together with a younger female news anchor. And she is kind of, she's been working for this news, a corporate company for more than 20 or 30, I think 30 years. Yeah, and, and you know, and of course, she's also thrown back by the fact of all this news that has been magnified about the sexual harassment of the male the news anchor colleague. And then she retires from the show, and then she comes back at the show, and then she finds herself faced with a younger person that wants to take over her job. Yeah. So, <laughs> this is a, again a little bit the workplace biases that we were talking about about the age biases before, right? What I find fascinating about, about this Netflix series, all the dynamics that are played in the background in this, in this news agency, right? I find it really fascinating the way how, uh, you know, the protagonist has to always face new challenges, have, always have to fight to get what they want. And, and it's not necessarily the fight against men. Sometimes it's is against the whole environment, right? You know, and also other people that are behind that, all the shareholders that are behind it and have a business and the money interested in it. So th this is a little bit 
something that I'm following already since a few years. And, and, and I love it. It's fascinating. So I can take away blocks of workplace biases from there. Yes. Yeah. Such a good example. Yeah. <laughs> love that. Yeah, I'm just watching, I've just started watching series, series three. So yeah, yeah talking with you there, it's fabulous. <laughs> I mean, I love Jennifer Aniston. She can do no wrong in my world, ever. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I, absolutely. That's my favorite series at the moment. I'm with you. I'm with you. Thank you so much, Diana. And thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. It's fascinating to hear about your background and everything you've done since starting your career. So thank you so much for that. Oh, you're mostly welcome. And I'm um, looking forward to even more shows of your podcast. It's always a pleasure to listen to them. <laughs> thank you, Lee. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and you're enjoying the podcast in general, please do subscribe via the website thisgirlcam.com or just hit follow on whatever your chosen podcast platform is. You can now join This Girl Cam as a member and if you do decide to join, you can look forward to some exciting access-only events coming up in the near future. Watch this space for more announcements there. Look out for my newsletter later this week, which will take you to see this interview in print and go to the website to find out who my guest is next week. You can follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, X and Facebook, all under This Girl Cam. Thanks again, everyone. Bye for now.